Episode 18 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles. Power to the people. Alright guys, welcome along to episode 18 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Owls, your monthly podcast on all the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness and all the benefits that come alongside it. Well, here we are again at the beginning of a new month, a new show, and it's um, it's actually really interesting about this podcast. I, I do another podcast called I Am Talk, um, which I've talked about a lot before on the show, and it's a triathlon show that's a very news-based weekly show, and, and so you're kind of up to date with my life, but with this one... Uh, it's a monthly show and um, you kind of, it's funny how like a lot of people just find the show and they'll catch up on all the old episodes straight away. So you kind of get a, a chunk of my life monthly as it goes along. And last weekend I was up in Wellington and I was doing a workshop for Les Mills and I had some wicked experiences with some great instructors and great participants at the Wellington gym there. And it was really cool. I met quite a few people who, who listened to the show, which was really cool. And um and one lady came up to me and, and she said, oh, I can't remember her name, which is really bad. I feel really bad. But she came up to me and she said, um, oh, you're in Hawaii right now. You've just come back from Hawaii. And it was quite funny. So it's kind of funny how you guys get to know my life in these small little chunks going forward. This month has been a funny month in that we tomorrow in New Zealand, you know, as I'm recording this, is the year anniversary of the earthquake that happened last year. So as I imagine, going back to that whole you get my life's in monthly chunks, I imagine a few of you will be hearing that show, you know, not long after the earthquake, and it's been a funny year in Christchurch, but but the earthquake has also been a really positive influence on my life, and at the end of today's show, and after I do the core kind of part of the show, I'm actually going to do a bit of a some insight into why the earthquake has been such a, a good thing in my life, and um, there might be some take-home stuff you guys can get from it. It's, it's more just some thoughts as, you know, I suppose the year comes around, you start to reflect on what's happened how your life has changed and, and why that might be a good thing and why, you know, maybe it hasn't. I'll go into that further and in later on. What else has been happening in my world? I suppose the, the big thing is that I've started playing music with a band. Admittedly, I've only had one jam session with them, but um, and I've started getting piano lessons, which I've talked about in the show before, and, and this year was the year I was going to do that. I wanted to create with other people, and I wanted to get lessons and create more myself. So it's kind of cool. I went and had a jam with a band a couple of weeks ago, and it was absolutely a buzz. Um, I love music and I love playing my piano, but when you get around other musicians and we had a drummer, a bass player, a couple guitar players, a couple singers, and me on my keyboards, it was just a night that I absolutely love. So I'm going to be looking to do more and more of that moving forward. Anyway, that's enough about me. It's funny, I always think to myself as I start this show, like I imagine, I imagine some people are listening to this for the very first time and they think this guy's just waffling on about himself, which you'll get used to this pretty quick. This month's show, so this month's show is, you know, some shows I do a lot, a lot of prep on and I spend a lot of time into, you know, doing some research on the topics and, you know, trying to educate myself. And then some shows just come from some stuff I believe in and today's show is going to be one of those shows which really comes from some fundamental things that I believe in that can have a massive impact on your own life and the lives of the people around you and how well you know what let's just get into the show so I'm going to chuck on the show right now Uh, I'll come back at the end of the show and I'll talk about um, everything else you need to talk about then
a lot of the stories I tell around myself and my experiences through life um, come from the transformational period of my time. And, and if you've listened to the show a lot in the past, you'll know that, you know, I had my druggy time and my, my alcohol time. and But then I was able to shift myself away from that. And one of the big ways I was able to do that was through exercise. And I learned a lot of valuable life lessons that I've really kind of continued on with from the afford at that time. And, and, I, and I've also mentioned along this kind of journey of this podcast that we kind of share together, that music was a big part of me moving away from a life where I was very self-destructive and and lacking in esteem and and you know not in a very kind of happy place. And the guitar was the thing that first got me understanding the principle that practice in life makes you successful. The idea that if you practice really hard at something, suddenly you get better, and your mind and your sense of belief in yourself grows. And uh, and as that growth develops, doors opens in your own mind around the possibility of what you become, can become and what you can do with your time. And uh, that, that lesson has been one of those lessons that has stayed with me forever. And if you've listened to all my old shows, I'm sure you're probably thinking, well, he's reinforcing stuff he's already talked about in the past. But music wasn't just about guitar for me at that time. Music was um, became my passion at that, you know, I was around 19, 20 at that time, and it became the thing I just wanted to do all the time. And this this story I'm going to tell right now was still was when I was in my druggy period, and it, it was it's one of those significant moments that you really remember in life. And for me, it was one of those kind of U-turn moments where I realised that there was more for me in this world. Uh, we started playing guitar at practice and then suddenly I started getting better and, and, and you know, the whole idea of possibilities of growing and, you know, at first my mates laughed at me when I pulled out the guitar and kind of gave me a bit of a hard time. And then after a while, a few, you know, I started to realise I was getting a bit better and, and eventually I decided I wanted to join a band. And I didn't really do music at school, so I didn't really have a network of people that I could, you know, just call on to do music with. I, I had one mate called Marky Mark, and, and we'd jam a little bit, and that was about it. And Marky Mark and I, we practiced quite a lot because we smoked, <laughs> we smoked quite a bit of drugs together, to be honest. And so we would, uh, we'd often get stoned and play music together, and, and so we became quite sharp together. But I didn't really ever play with other people. But after a while, I, I kind of thought, well, I want to play in a band. So I got my local um, Buy Southern Exchange, which is it was like a, a advertising magazine in my local area before the internet it was kind of like what you'd get if you wanted to advertise something locally and and I looked up for bands and I I found this ad for a, someone looking for a guitar and and I turned up and I, I kind of rang up the guy and I said well look you know I play guitar and I'm interested in joining and and, and, and to be honest, luckily for me, they must have been desperate for a guitar because he didn't even really ask how good I was or anything. He just said, oh, come along, you can be in the band. And so, and I think that I imagine that's maybe how a lot of bands start, just kind of you turn up and suddenly you're in the band. But So I went along and I went and had a jam with this band and, and they were pretty good musicians. I was probably a little bit below them as a guitar player, but I was good enough to be able to sit within them and play. It's kind of like where I am with my piano and my band that I played with the other night, you know, like I'm probably still not sharp enough on the piano yet, but I'm good enough to sit there and, and you know, I know that I'll do the work to get there. So we play along and, and I had a few jam sessions with them and I absolutely loved it. Like I was saying before, when you play an instrument by yourself, it's a real buzz. But if you play an instrument with another person, it's it's almost like that buzz gets doubled. And then if you can then have a drummer, a bass player and so on, you can really have this amazing experience. 
so where they had this band of guys, you know, it was drum, two guitars, bass, and, you know, and that was it. The problem was they didn't have a singer. And for the first few sessions, that, that didn't really matter because we were just making music. But eventually, you know, if you're going to be in a band, you need a singer. And when you think about instruments, like every, lots of people play guitar. So to be honest, it's quite easy to find a guitarist for the band. It's, it's harder to get drummers and it's hard, really hard to get good bass players. Singers are kind of like a drummer. You know, singers, you can, you can get people who are willing to sing, but people who are actually good at singing are really hard. They're, they're really like they're an asset to a band because they, I know, well, at least in my local area at that time, it was really hard to get good singers. So pretty much in our band, and I, I can't even remember our band name, it was pretty terrible. I think it was something like Feedback, which is just shocking. But in our band, we basically needed a singer, and it just became who's the best of the bad bunch. So the drummer tried to sing, and he wasn't that good, and then the bass, he didn't even want to try sing, and then and then the other guitarist was kind of like a good backup singer and not a very good lead singer. And, and so then I had my turn at singing, and... And I'd hardly say I was decent, but I was the best of a bad bunch. So suddenly, I joined this band with the idea of playing guitar, and suddenly I'm the lead singer in this band, which deep down I probably liked, if I'm going to be really honest, but at the same time I also knew my ability. But at that time I kind of knew the idea of, well, if you practice really hard, you get better at things. And I looked at piano playing, I mean singing, as just a skill. So I went and got singing lessons and I started to play, you know, practice my singing and all, my, you know, all that kind of stuff. Now the person I was at this time was, was someone who wasn't that confident. So the idea of standing up in front of a group of people and singing was... Um, you know, like anyone, the old fear of public speaking thing was happening and I, I had this huge fear around it. And, and at first I just, you know, I would sing. It was cool with the band because you're just in this practice room and, and you're just letting it out. But, you know, the idea of getting on stage, and at this stage we were nowhere near ready to be on stage as a band. We probably had three songs that were going well and, and, and none of them I had really nailed, you know, like, you know, you need, you need a repertoire of lots of songs if you want to be playing live. But, you know, it was early stages. And at this time, as I started to get lessons, I started to sing more when I was playing my guitar. So if my friends were around, I'd start to sing a little bit more, but being really ultra aware of myself, you know, like, you know, I'd never look at anyone, I'd keep my head down, never show eye contact, you know, I'd be looking at the ground the whole time I'd be singing. And there's this real self-awareness that a fear of what other people were thinking of me when I was singing. And, and this was really magnified around my mates because, you know, your mates, you know, and, and teenage boys, you know, they give you a bit of, bit of a hard time. They give you a bit of shit when you're kind of having fun and stuff. And, you know, they'll never, they'll never kind of tell you when you're doing well. You know, they'll, they'll give you a hard time. But it's just, I don't know, it's just that boy thing. But so I started singing. But the thing was, I loved music. So as much as I was kind of deep down had this insecurity around myself and, and was kind of, inner when I would perform well not perform but play in front of my friends I still I just love singing and so I, I you know that was the thing that well I loved music and that was the thing that made me still want to do it at that time so you know I kept practicing and I kept getting lessons and, and then I had a few moments which made me realize that actually I was an okay singer I don't know if I was ever a rock star but you know there's a couple kind of defining moments where I, I had some songs that really worked for me and I was like, well, maybe I, I could be okay at the singing thing. And, you know, and the band got better and better and we started to get like 50 songs that were working really well and, and we started to play live a little bit. And, 
but still deep down, you know, like I remember when I played live, we went out back and I literally got stoned off my face and drunk as possible before I got on stage, which came from that real insecurity around people judging me or, or other people's thoughts on me. Around that time, I had a friend called Sarah Woolley. And now Sarah Woolley was a, a partner of, of another friend of mine called Johnny Westbury. And uh, Johnny Westbury had this really cool place. His parents had this house which had this... It was like a room extended on the back of the house, but it was massive. It would be the size of three lounges in your typical three-bedroom house. It was absolutely massive. And because they had this bedroom, Johnny Westbury and all the boys would basically go and hang, you know, we'd all go hang out at Johnny's house every weekend and we'd buy a keg of beer and there'd be 10, 15 of us and we'd just all sit around and drink and tell stories and, and have fun. And that was kind of where we hung out. And Johnny Westbury was going out to this girl called Sarah Woolley. And Sarah Woolley was this... Uh, blonde haired girl who was just just a just a really beautifully natured person um kind of just friendly eyes and to be honest you probably shouldn't have been hanging out with us because we, we weren't bad boys but we, we definitely weren't great you know boys and she she had ambition and she was going well at school and you know she had lots of things going for her and, and you know she was kicking out for us boys and maybe maybe her parents probably may not like that so much but so be it but I did really, really like Sarah. She was a really good person. And I remember one day I was sitting around and it was just Sarah and I, maybe we were at some, having drinks somewhere and we are just outside sitting around. And I remember we were just talking about my music and I was just saying, Harry, you know, well, I'm in this band and I'm, and I'm practicing really hard and stuff. And, you know, and, and just kind of chatting about what we're doing and she kind of shared her experiences with me. And, and she turned around to me and she said, do you know what, Bev? When you're not around, all the boys say that they actually think you're a really good singer. Now I look back on that moment as, as a key defining moment in my life because from that moment forward she gave me something that gave me a sense of belief and confidence in myself that maybe I was actually okay at this thing which I really wanted to be good at and I was working really hard at but I you know, deep down had these restrictions on myself and, but because Zero was such a, a good person and was able to express something that was really important to me. She opened up my mind to to the idea that I could be a better person. From that moment forward, I started to blossom more, and it was almost like by her giving me that that praise, I was able to see myself in a different light and see myself in ways I hadn't seen myself before. And and the effect of that that one moment where she took some time to give me some praise was absolutely massive because then suddenly I didn't feel so embarrassed about playing in front of my friends so I'd actually look up and and I'd actually think about the you know the connection that with the music and and the people were having and you know and I started to play a couple of gigs where I didn't have to get so smashed off my face and and so on and 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 you know what maybe I would have got there eventually myself or maybe I would have had to you know live a life where the only way I get on stage is I I basically get very self-destructive and then get on but really I, th- I really believe that I that by Sarah taking the chance and saying some praise to me, she gave me something. She, You know, I'm sure if you asked her right now, she probably doesn't even remember the conversation. But because she was such an amazing person that she stopped and gave me some praise, she gave me a gift that, you know, you can't even buy. She gave me something, a belief in myself, and, my, and you know, which then again goes back to those open doors. And that was a very, very, very important lesson in my life that with the power of praise, 
we can help others see what they can become. That experience it taught me such a valuable life lesson and it taught me the power of praise. And I kind of took from that that, you know what, that's a tool that I want to use in my life to be a positive influence on other people's lives moving forward. Like I know that by Sarah taking the time, and like I was saying earlier, she probably doesn't even remember it. But that one moment by her saying, deep down, basically, I think you're cool and I believe in you, she opened up my mind to being a better version of myself. And that's such a powerful lesson that I kind of thought to myself, well, if that had that effect on me, in my world, I want to be the person who helps other people do that as well. And that with the power of praise, I can do that. But the thing is, there's so much more. There's so much more. Like praise is a great tool. And, 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 I, and I, maybe I'll talk a little bit about how, you know, how do we use praise effectively and, and the rest of it. But that's not the only tool. And, and I suppose today I want to confront you. I want to challenge you. I want to make you look in the mirror and think about what person you are in the world to the world around you. Admittedly, I've I've actually recorded this show twice, and the first time I recorded, I recorded a lot around, um, you know, how do you look for people who are great, and how do you move towards those, and it's a little bit about that environment stuff. And I'll just do a quick one here, but you know, I I truly believe that you want to try find people in life who make you feel great about yourselves, and if if like for example, with myself, if I hang around with you and you make me feel bad about myself, you just don't see me again. Like I had a friend who I worked with in my industry. Um, for a while and at first we were really tight and she was a really good chick and, and we spent so much time together but she was also quite scathing and, and also quite insulting and, and a kind of a fun friendly way but there's a fun friendly way to do things you know like if you go if you're with friends and you give them a hard time you always try to give it in the area that they're secure in because you know deep down they don't mind and so it's okay to give fun in that area whereas this friend she would always be scathing in the area where she knew you were insecure. So she would actually, you'd walk away from a conversation with her feeling bad about yourself. And I just decided, you know what? I don't want her in my life anymore. She's not worth my energy. I would just feel bad about myself afterwards. I don't need her in my life. And and the show I recorded earlier, I, I went a lot into that, but I think it kind of touched on their environment stuff. So if I will make one quick point right now, it is that be aware of the energy that other people bring into your life. And if it's not good and it doesn't make you feel good about yourself, and if they say little comments, snarky comments that make you feel bad about yourself, try to move away from those people. And then if you know people who, you know, just suddenly when you spend time with them, they just make you feel good about yourself. Move towards those people. You know, move towards the people that make you feel good and, and, and or towards, you know, environments. And again, I've talked about this in the past, so I'm not going to touch on that too much now, but I just, you know, what people make you feel great, move towards those. What make people make you feel bad, move away from those. It's it's one key point around how the relationships in our lives help us. Jeez, this is such a big subject. Subject like like even now as I'm talking, there's so many different ways I want to go. But today I just want to really focus on one specific thing, and that's and that's you. And what person are you? Like if I were to sit down in an environment around with your, all the people in your life and I would ask them what energy do they get 
when they spend with you. And I'm not just talking about your friends. I'm talking about when you're at work. I'm talking about when you're doing exercise. I'm talking about, you know, your partner, your family, all the rest of it. What kind of person are you to them? Are you a person that people want to spend more time with? Are you a person that when people walk away from their time spent with you, they think, wow, life's really good, or I feel good about myself right now, or wow, I can do amazing things. Are you that person? Because what I find really interesting about this, this whole concept is that we all know praise works, and we all love it. But if we think about society, it's not used a lot. It's not used in a massive way. It was interesting. I was, I was sitting down with a couple of my runners a couple of weeks ago, um, a girl called Annabelle and a girl called Bex, and both really fun chicks, and, and they've been coming to my crew for a long time, and they come along each week, and they run, and we have the coffee afterwards. It's kind of, to be honest, it's the main reason we run, is so we can chat afterwards. And and we're kind of talking about this, this praise subject and how it's funny how we all know we all love praise, like we seek it, man. We we love it. We love it when someone gives us specific praise as well. Not just you know you did well, but I love the way that when you were running, you really picked up your intensity at the end. Like when you like as a coach, praise is one of the most powerful tools I have to help people become better. And as Bex and Annabelle and I were um, sitting down and talking, we were kind of just kind of contemplating. Well, why is it that? This tool that we all know we love so much, we suppress it so much, or we don't use it as much as what we can. And, and, and if you think about it, there's lots of tools that we can do. You know, praise is one of the really great ones, but but there's many others. You know, you, you can you can support people when they are, when they're going towards growth. You can you know you can be an ear and, and you know say why well, I really think you can do it. I can, you can show belief in them. You can encourage them towards their growth. You can write a letter to someone and just tell them why they've been such an impact on your world. You can reinforce that they are good people as well. You know we can think of lots and lots of different things that we can do to make our world a better place because you are in it. I like that statement. You can make your world a better place. Because you are in it. And if we think about our lives, we have so much opportunity. You know, like there's so much opportunity to, to use the tools that to make others feel great. But for some reason, maybe it's cultural, maybe it's society, maybe it's, it's your own insecure. Securities, I should say. But for some reason, we don't do a lot of it. Now, I could talk all big picture and I could talk about how, you know, you know, you make the world a better place if you do this. But I'm actually going to go from a different angle. I'm going to go from an angle of it's better for you if you get great at using the tools of making other people feel amazing. And, and again, I'm, this isn't a, a scientifically researched paper that I've read and all the rest of it. This is just my experience. I thought I'd actually tell you about a guy who who's been the biggest influence in my life in this area over the last few years and I kind of started you know from that experience with Sarah I kind of understood that praise was really important and you know if I was going to give myself a grade out of 10 around that time as I moved forward into you know this new life I was kind of like a 7 I was pretty good at it you know probably 6 or 7 and most of the time I was pretty good at giving praise but 
and or, or doing things that made other people feel great and then me getting the benefit back from that. But around that time, I got into the industry and I kind of realised that I had influence. And for me at that time, I always thought I can be really influential to the world if I try to be the best version of myself. So all of my energy was directed towards me trying to be the number one version of myself and hopefully by being that, that would inspire other people to look at themselves, maybe reflect and get some benefit from that. And so I became very driven towards self-focused goals and there was definitely a lot of benefit in that and I you know, I did achieve a level of influence that I was really happy with and within myself I became a level that you know, I was pretty proud of. And I work in an industry with very, very high level people and, I, and, I, and I'm fortunate enough to work at a, at a really high level. So I'm surrounded by these people who are stars in our world and a lot of these people are really magnificent in what they do. But to be honest, once I kind of got to their level, I, I, I wasn't so inspired by them. You know, it wasn't that I didn't think they were good or anything. It wasn't that I looked, didn't look at them and see their work and go, wow. But I didn't look at them and think, wow, I need to be better. And I think that's what inspiration really is, is that when you see somebody and, and they make you reflect and, and they make you inspire you to want to be a better version of yourself. So I've been working in the industry for around six or seven years and this new guy at the gym called Suli, who'd been coming up through the ranks, who worked in my local gym, was proving to be very, very successful at what he does. He was, and, and, and in my industry, particularly in group fitness, how do you define success? Well, success is really based on how many people can you get in the room. You know, you can have all the skills in the world, but if nobody turns up to your class, you're not that good at your job at the end of the day. Whereas Surly was getting massive classes, like pet pet classes. And in particular, there was a program called Vive, which at our gym was a program that was really struggling. Like pretty much all the classes were getting numbers that kind of were saying they shouldn't even be on the timetable. And then Suli would have a class that would be one of the biggest classes of the week across all programs. And Suli, a little bit of context around Suli, Suli is one of these people who just tries to drive himself to be better in all areas of his life. So he was definitely improving himself around the skills of being a group fitness instructor. But where Suli was absolutely phenomenal was he was phenomenal at making people feel great and empowering them to be a better version of themselves. Suli, I'll give an example. You know, we all know that learning people's names is a good thing to do. You know, we all know, and especially if you work in a service industry job, you know that we all love to hear the sound of our own name. It's uh, is that thing, what is it, the most pleasurable thing for somebody to hear to their ear is the sound of their own name, or the thing where when you look at photos, what is the first thing you look at? You tend to try to find yourself first. It's just, you know, it seems to be an attractive thing to our own world. And we all know, especially in the service industry, that, you know, you want to learn people's names and you want to kind of commit to it because if they come along and then you remember the name, it kind of shows that you think they are important. Now, when Surly first started instructing, Surly started taking a notebook to class. And when he would meet somebody, he would write their name down in the notebook and something about them that would make them remember or make him remember who they are the next time he saw them. Over time, this book that he created just got massive and massive. But as you walk around the gym with Surly, he knew everybody's name in the whole gym. It was like he was on a mission to find the names. And, he, you know, when you, you meet him once and the next time you go back to his class and he'd know your name and he'd be interested in you and he'd spend that time doing that work. Now the funny thing is, if I go back to the service industry, is we all know that we should learn people's names. 
But our commitment to learning names maybe isn't that strong. You know, um, no, I'm not that good at learning names, so you know, I kind of wing it. Or you may learn 50% of people's names and not the other 50%. But Suli had determined that if I want to make people feel great, one of the tools that I can use is to know their names. So I needed to create a system in myself that's going to help me learn their names. This one tool, this committing the time to making sure you learn to write people's names down, to memorize them, spend some time after class thinking about them so that next time he saw them, he remembered them, was a powerful tool at making people feel special. And that made Suli, or was one of the reasons that made Suli such a successful instructor. But it wasn't the only tool. He did lots of things. He was amazing at praise. He encouraged people. He created connections between the other people that made them stronger and stronger. What Suli did was made the people in his world feel amazing about the time they spent with him and about themselves when they were spending time with him. Now, at my stage in my career at this stage, I was really self-focused on trying to be fitter and be stronger and better technique and, and all that kind of stuff. And there was this guy who was coming at it from a different approach. He was coming at it from, I'm putting my energy into empowering people. Sure, I'm developing myself, but I'm putting my energy to making people feel great and making their lives better through the time they spend with me and the influence that I have. It made me really self-reflect on what I was doing. It made me think about, well, maybe I'm doing it wrong. Well, not doing it wrong, but maybe I need to improve my approach. So that's where I sat down and I kind of thought about the platform that I have in my world. You know, at this stage I had, you know, I'm pretty lucky that I have a a decent platform, people, you know, and some influence around it. And you know what? We all do. You have influence. You have a group of people around you who you can have influence on. Some people it's big, some people it's small. But around that time I realized I had an influence and I thought to myself, well, if I have an influence and I have a platform, how do I want to use that influence? Like we all have influence. How do you use your influence? And this is where Suli was the biggest influence on me in my career at any point. I kind of shifted away from trying to be the best version of myself. Not that I was giving up on me being the best version of myself, but using that as the way to influence the world to more how do I empower others and how do I make other people feel amazing. So then I sat down and I started thinking about, well, how can I get better at learning names? How can I be better at praise? How can I open up people's mind to possibilities? I looked at all these different tools that I could use to help do that. And as I shifted my focus, I found I was more effective at my job, more effective at helping people discover self in themselves and, and discover all that powerful stuff I've been talking about. But the other thing I noticed was that I got so much back. Like I'm not altruistic, I I don't do this just for you, I do this because I get a lot back as well. And, And the more I started to do this stuff, the more I was attracted to it because the benefits that I personally got were massive. Like I often talk about how you guys send me all these amazing emails, like I get every day of my life. I get the most beautiful emails from people telling me how the work that I've done or the work that I do has helped them in some way, shape or form. Like, can you imagine how amazing that is for me? Can you imagine how that makes me feel about myself? Can you imagine how that motivates me to stay on this path of helping other people grow? And that whole, when I look in the mirror, 
I have a sense of satisfaction around the work that I'm doing in the world. Sully's influence on me has shifted my life in a massive way and put my energy towards a place where I'm getting empowered because I'm empowering other people. And I say that again because it is, it's kind of the crux, the crux of today's kind of talk is that I get empowered because Sully taught me to empower other people. And now when I look at my world, I, I, like right now I'm in this moment where I'm kind of, as I look at my world, I think, well, how do I express more love? How do I make people feel more loved? As a leader, I look at my coaches and my running business and I think, you know, how can I help them develop and grow them and, and, and open up possibilities in themselves that can make them become better coaches but better people? What's really interesting around this stuff is that you kind of got to have to confront your insecurities. Because when we have insecurities, sometimes they want us to keep other people down because it makes us have to confront our own stuff. But if we live in a world where we're trying to bring other people down, and I go back to my what energy do you live in, I kind of believe deep down that if you live in a world where you bring people down, you're living in a bad energy. And if you think about it, if you give yourself the opportunity and the skill work to work around building other people up and making other people feel amazing, and you get the kind of energy back that makes you feel great and that you're doing the right thing in the world, that has to deliver a better energy. You, you, you have to live in a better place. And if you live in a better place, better energy, and, and where you're getting all that good stuff back, you're going to move towards better decisions in a better place in your life. So I suppose I better do a recap. In today's show, I, I, you know what, I'm, I'm, maybe you don't like it, I'm not sure, it'll be interesting to see the kind of feedback I get on today's show because it's not maybe my traditional type of show. But when we realise the power that other people have in our lives, we can see a couple things. First of all, as I was saying earlier, that we can choose to put ourselves around amazing people and people that make us feel great. But ultimately, we can see the power that we can have on other people. And once you understand that you do have an influence and you do have a platform, be it big, be it small. But once you see that and you spend some time thinking about well, what tools can I use to empower my world, my, my circle of influence. Sit down and actually script out a few things. Okay, well, how can I use praise better? How can I be more specific with my praise? How can I open up people's possibilities? How can... I encourage people towards growth. How can I be supportive? How can I educate people? How can I challenge people in ways that are positive? It's almost like you need to write a list of all the different ways that you can make people feel great. And then once you've done that, to spend some time thinking around or looking for those opportunities in your day where you get to do it. You know, and you'll find, you know, wherever you put your focus, your mind will go. It's that whole, if you think of a Corolla car, Toyota Corolla, you'll see a lot of Toyota Corollas around on the road. It's that whole, where is your focus, as I've done in other podcasts. If you put your focus towards, I'm here to make other people feel great, using these tools I've identified, you're going to notice that you're going to start to get a lot back. And it's going to take you to a place in your life where your energy is better, which will lead you towards making better decisions. I don't know the answer to this one. I don't know how this is directly going to influence your life. But I fundamentally believe that if you're sitting in a place where you make your world a better place, you get so much back from it, which helps you to be the best version of yourself.
it's it's interesting actually because I started recording this show about five days ago, and I know for you guys it's all it's all now. But um, and I'm now actually in Hong Kong, so I'm no longer in in my house. I'm in Hong Kong. I'm in some hotel in Hong Kong, and there's a little small room by myself. And I'm looking around right now, and I, I, you know I'm not, I'm not very good at keeping hotel rooms tidy based on what I'm seeing right now. So I need to sharpen up on that. I still haven't got around to doing last month's workbook and I kind of feel bad because I kind of say I'm going to do these things and, and the workbook kind of becomes the last thing on my mind. So I, I do want to do one for this one because since doing this show, I've really thought around what are the ways that we can empower other people. And I'd like to do a workbook based on setting up a bit of a challenge for yourself for you to do some reflection around what ways you make people feel great and then to set a challenge of maybe trying to find opportunities in your day where you do that and maybe over a four or five week period where you have to try to make other people feel great five to six times a day and then using all the ways you've done this. So when I fly home from Hong Kong, which is uh, two days from now, I'm going to do it on the plane on the way home, and I always have to get last month's done, so I'll try to get that done then as well. So the workbook will be $3. You'll go to my website, bevanjamesisles.com slash fitnessbehavior, and you'll see a link to it in the show notes that goes alongside this podcast. I know this one month show was a bit eerie-fairy, but... I, practice it, you'll see that your world becomes a better place. So it's just one of my core fundamental beliefs. So, yeah, anyway, I've got a few emails through from you guys. So I thought I'd just kind of wrap through those. And then, uh, yeah, let's have a look at these. So, first of all, question here from Mills. And Mills is just saying, I've been listening to your fitness behavior podcast and love it, which I love that you love. Very motivating. I was just wondering, in one of the podcasts, you talk about making it harder to make bad choices. Like, for example, not having chocolate and biscuits in the cupboards. I'm 19 years old and still live at home. My family like a lot of sweet foods. Although my parents are supportive of me, they still enjoy these foods and continue to buy them. I decided to put the lollies and chocolate into a box and I wrote on it, you're only going to eat this because you are bored and watching TV. This has stopped me eating some bad foods, but it's still hard when temptation is in the fridge, etc. Do you have any suggestions since I can't ask my family to not eat bad food just because I don't want to? Wow, that, that, that's a really tough situation, Mills. And, and I think the really interesting thing around that one is I imagine a lot of people listening to the show right now probably feel the same way. You know, diets, as much as I'm not a huge fan of, of dieting and such, I think more lifestyle eating choices are a way, you know, long term to think about, you know, how you put nutrition in your body. But, you know, anyone who's ever moved towards trying to have better behaviors around nutrition, who lives with somebody else, who's not really supportive of that change, knows that it's really, really hard. And so I, I do actually think your best approach in this situation is to get your family to be more supportive of you. And so then you go, okay, well, how do you do that? And, and, and I think it starts from sitting down and going, you know, actually sitting down with your family and saying, telling them, first of all, what the effects of bad nutrition has on you. So I'm, I'm, I don't know your situation, but let's say it's a weight thing. You could talk to your parents about how being overweight makes you feel bad about yourself. I, I, again, I don't know what, the, I don't want to go too much into detail, but talk about and be really honest about the effects of that, you know, and then talk about what you want to move towards. So you might say to your parents, okay, well, you know what, I don't really handle temptation that well which makes me eat too much bad food when I'm bored, which then makes me, you know, get overweight. And I, you know what, I don't like being overweight and, and I want to move away from that. I want to move to, towards 
taking better food. So then you talk around where you want to go and then talk to them about how you think they can support you and how they think they can support you. Now that doesn't have to necessarily mean that they can't have bad foods, but they might be wanting to support you in a way where they could have bad foods at different times. So they could say, okay, well, we're not going to have bad foods in the house, but we'll have it when we're at work. Or we can decide, you know, we may hide the bad foods from you. Like each time when we do the shopping, we hide it in a different place. So you never know where it is. It's a bit more effort for them, but it's showing that support and, you know, towards the thing that you want to go towards. So I suppose if anything, you know, go around, you know, and maybe they they could change their behaviors themselves, but start off with being honest around how it makes you feel, you know, this, this bad food thing, where you want to move towards, ways they can support you. And then, you know, ways that they think that they can support you. And they really just look to kind of, you know, praise them when they're doing that stuff well. I know that's a really hard situation and I'm sure lots of people listening right now can really probably feel the same way. So hopefully that helps with those suggestions. I got another email here from um, Daniel Kasich. And to be honest, this is uh, one of those emails that kind of, kind of really what this podcast today is all about and uh, I'm, I'm pretty lucky but it kind of cracked me up when I started off so Daniel he he's been a listener of my other podcast I am talk for years and so it kind of here we go so anyway I want to express uh, express the influence you have had on my life for the better I've always been a positive person and just love life still you inspire me in a few important aspects Five years ago or so, I started listening to I Am Talk, and you annoyed me most of the time, <laughs> which, when I read this email, kind of made me laugh, and that is funny, when you when you do a public job, the first thing you need to understand is not everybody's going to like you, and you just need to let that go, and, and, I, and I think I do annoy a few people at times, and I'm, I'm sure I've got plenty of people who aren't fans of mine, but anyway, nice content, entertaining, but you were unprepared, unfocused, and so on, and, and you know what? He was probably fearing that comment. As I listened to the more, more and more shows, I started to appreciate your humour and the funny balance between you and John. On top of that, it was cool to meet you on road. I actually, when I was in Germany once doing a race, I got to meet Daniel. It was real random. I just met him on the side of the road. But anyway, then there was the first big influence. You once mentioned getting things done. This is hugely, it's a book that, um, it's around organisation. It's very, very, I highly recommend everyone get that book and read it. It hugely influenced my life and my approach to planning and improving. I cannot value enough how great it has been that you mentioned it. I probably would not be working at Amazon.com as a process improver if I hadn't read that book. Three years ago, I started to back off from triathlon as I started working and met my wife. It often happens when you do triathlon. Um, uh, f- focus just shifted from pure triathlete. Funnily, about the same time, you did the similar switch and started talking about it. A year ago, you started your Tremendous Fitness Behavior podcast. This shows me a totally different Bevan, still the funny guy, but very thoughtful in the cool field of connecting sports and life. It provides great content, it's thought-provoking, and I love to use it. The field of personal growth is very, very important to me, and you do a very, very good job. E.g., I'm struggling on a high level with weight and my eating discipline, which, to be honest, this is me talking here, that's a real bad traditional thing with triathletes, because we can train so much, we can eat so much, and then when you pull away from the training, you can have some bad habits around that. Anyway, back to Daniel. Your tips have helped me even to be even more successful. Thank you. I've also taken your lessons to a friend. He has lost 30kg, changed his whole life, and is becoming the best version of what he can be. You rock. So, you know, like, thank you so much, Daniel, for taking the time to write that email. And and I, and I thought I'd read that one out just today, just, you know, not because I'm, you know, I want to say that I'm doing a great job, more just to show you guys that I'm a very lucky person, and right now I'm feeling pretty great because 
Daniel took the time to do that when he read that email. So thank you very much. If you do have any email questions, you can email me at bevanjames at gmail.com. That way you can, um, you know, and maybe I'll read them out on the show or I can give some feedback and so on. And the other thing you can do, there's a couple other things that I can ask is, is tell your friends about the show. The show, as I was saying earlier on, is just been going through the roof of numbers. So obviously what I'm doing here seems to be connecting in some way, but tell your friends and, uh, help, you know, it just helps me get the word out there. And also if you could go on your local iTunes and put some feedback on there, that just helps to help spread the word as well. So that'd be really great. I was actually going to do a wrap up um because I did this, the first part of the show five days ago, I was going to do a wrap-up on how the Christchurch earthquake affected my life. But to be honest, I think there's a show in that because it was such a shift in life for me in, in such a positive way. And, you know, it, actually it's a year anniversary since the earthquake and most people were reflecting on such a hard year. And for some reason, luckily for me, it was such a, a positive year. So I think I might actually do a show around that in the future. But I thought I'd quickly talk about what I'm going to be doing next month. I do a lot of personal coaching. Um, I love it. I absolutely love it. it the, the, the growth I get with the people I work with is absolutely phenomenal and it's so rewarding to, to be in a position where you can help people just excel at such amazing speeds. And and over the, you know, I've been doing it for around a year now, a little bit over a year. And, and you, you know, as you you have a lot of theories around how things work and then as you apply it to people on an individual basis, you learn a lot of things. And there's one thing that I've learnt recently that has been a massive influence on creating change in in a lot of my clients. So I thought what I'm going to do next month is I'm going to introduce one of the tools that I use with my clients as a show. And it's something I've been trialling within myself as well. And and it's a really fascinating thing. And uh, so I thought I'd just do a bit of a teaser right now to say that next month's show is going to be pretty exciting because it's something I've been, a, a tool that I use with a lot of my clients and I've been trialing on myself and I'm finding it to be massively effective at making me be that better version of myself, that kind of term that I always use. So look out for next month's show because I, th- I think it's going to be kind of cool. Anyway, I think I'll kind of wrap up today's show. I'm a... Uh, I probably need to clean my hotel room. I've got a couple more days here in Hong Kong. I'm over doing some work for Les Mills and I'm working with some amazing people. Um, I've got some really great friends over here, so I'm going to be catching up with them. And uh, and Hong Kong's a cool city. It's I live in Christchurch, which is a population of around 400,000 people. And to be honest, when you're walking in the streets in Hong Kong, you can probably see 400,000 people. It's, it's, it's just a totally different world. And so I kind of, I love the slower life of Christchurch, but I also really love the, the fast-paced feel of a place like Hong Kong. So um, it's going to be pretty cool to kind of spend the next couple of days here. Anyway, I hope you guys have got an amazing month coming up. And uh, yeah, if you want to check out anything I'm doing, any of my writing, go to www.bevanjamesisles.com. Facebook friend me. And uh, other than that, you guys have a wonderful time this month. And I'll catch up real soon. Mm-hmm.